Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, let's see Wednesday morning, and I want to take a look at uh, the last item probably I'll do from the Gnosim catalog. As I mentioned already, um, there's a big uh, auction, I guess, this weekend. On Sunday, let me see the front page over here. On Sunday, 9-11, uh, Tesvavello, and uh, they have a lot of these fancy, uh, rare works out of my league. And they're fascinating. In other words, some of them are to me. You know, it depends who you are. And one of them they have is a Ramchal thing. Uh, they have a first edition of uh, a collection of essays published in the 1780s after the death of the Ramchal, Moshechem Lutzato, um, in 1783 in Amsterdam, including some of the famous essays which are like really cute. And the one that uh, always catches my attention when I look on this, depends who you are, is his intro to the En Yaakov, or to more exactly, the Maimar al Hagados. So we're talking about, let me just see how it looks over here, Der Chachma, the name of the book published altogether called Der Chachma. Uh, it's an old-fashioned print, it's not bad. And this is Taka something rare. And it's got uh, the, the Der Chachma, the Maimar al Hagados, which is the one that I'm interested in, the Maimra Ikrim, and the Maimra Chochma. So it's got four essays in there. <clears throat> Me, myself, and I, years ago, um, I mean, around 1990, something like that, I was in Israel, and I picked up, for some reason or other, my Misilsi Sharm was gone, or I don't remember, and they had a nice edition that was published in B'nai Brock, uh, you know, Manuka and all that, and, and had... And I, the truth is, I got it because of Missile's Yisharm part. But it also said Hamam Arim, which didn't mean too much to me at the time, but subsequently it did. And what it means is that in addition, it's got a black cover. In addition to uh, the Missile's Yisharm, uh, it has, again, Menukad, a uh, series of, of, of a number of his essays, which are basically what you find in this Der Chachma. Okay? Um, in other words, this collection of four essays. My understanding, it's very hard to put together the exact years when the Ramchal wrote all these different things. And there have been different historians and scholars that are into this and debate and back and forth. I mean, some you know, like, I mean, for example, we know when he published the Masilis Yisharm, but, uh, or like Yisharm Tehillah, by the way, they're also selling that. If you are interested in knowing what that is, that's a famous play that he wrote. Yes, right, Lutzata wrote a play, and I did a whole podcast on that a couple years ago. So if you look on my site, just Google uh, Ramchal or something like that, and uh, you'll find it. I did a while ago. It's one of those plays he wrote uh, for a wedding, because that time, be classy, you didn't just have chasen and dancing, you had the performance of a play. That's high class, an original play. And if it's Lutzato, then you can imagine it's high class, high class. Um, but I don't want to go through that now because I already did that. Instead, I'm going to 
discuss for a few minutes uh, this uh, intro to uh, the Agatha. But again, this uh, book that they're selling is the original edition. So in that edition, obviously his fans, because this was not published in Poland, his fans put together four of his essays. That Aramchal died in 1747. So this is published almost 40 years after his death. And um, if you know, the, as I said before, the, there are books, actually, there's a guy, Mayor Benayo, who write about, you know, when the different stuff of the Ramchal was published and not. For example, I know everybody today's into Derek Hashem. If I'm not mistaken, I don't believe that Derek Hashem was published till 1899. Think about that. Isn't that interesting? So, um, uh, and, uh, you know, in this book, do they have, no, they don't have, they just have the Save My Marim. I have other editions of the Ramchal stuff with different stuff in them. Be that as it may, uh, the essays are on discrete topics. Uh, the very fact of writing an essay is a Western-type Zach. That's who the Ramchal was. He's a Western Jew. He lived in Padua for most of his life. Good deal of it anyway. Formative years. Uh, Padua, we've talked about many times, the Jewish ghetto was right near the, the university, and the people he hung out with were uh, uh, college students, uh, from college students who were going to the university. The only reason you go to the university for a medical degree, why else would you go in those days, in the 18th century? And uh, that's the guys he got into, like a Chabura, a, uh, a whole learning group of Kabbalah and things like that, which is what scared some and led to the Lutzato controversies in which he was uh, criticized and attacked for being a, a cult leader and uh, Shabtite Svinik and all this other kind of stuff. And they chased him out of town, frankly. So by the time the whole storm had passed, uh, Ramosh Chaim Lutzato left Italy, uh, where they made life kind of a hell for him. And instead, he moved to Amsterdam. Now, What's funny is, he himself, Lutzato, that's Ashkenaz family. When he came to Amsterdam, uh, the Sephardim took him in and treated him like gold. So that's where he wrote a lot of his stuff, although he also wrote a lot in, in, in Italy as well. So I'm oversimplifying because I don't want to go into the whole biography of Drama Khaled. That'll take forever. I'll do pieces at different times. Uh, but understand well that he was very controversial back in the day. But he, you know, if there are people who said he's treif, other people said he's kosher. Now, Yaakov Emden said he's treif. The Vilna Gon said he's kosher. Okay, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> you get it? If somebody says this product is treif, and then it's like it's, it's got the OU, it's got Breuer's, it's got the Star K, all the rest of it, then the guy doesn't care. <laughs> the guy doesn't care. And the Vilna Gon, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty good. As far as I'm concerned, now not for everybody. Uh, the Ramchal's main works are in Kabbalah, and um, his main works. And this is not one of the main works. It's a very, it's a very nice work. His main works in Kabbalah, and I'm not a Kabbalah, but I know that in the world of Kabbalah, some groups agree with his Mahalach in Kabbalah, and some don't. There's a great book. Uh, written by uh, Bissal Nair, Bissal Noor, called Mechulat Sadikim. I picked it up some years ago. 
And uh, my goodness, he's got a lot of Bikiyas here. And, you know, among other things, he deals with, you know, how does Chabad deal with the uh, Kabbalah of uh, the Kabbalistic sides of the, um, you know, of the Ramchal writings. Nishalo Hashel Maha Yachas Rebbe Chabad, the Torah Kabbalah Shal Ramchal. And he's got whole learning notes on that, which turns out to be they're they're okay with it. They just disagree with certain parts. Versus, um, who is it here? This guy is a Kamarna, and the Zidit Shabbos say, "Oh, don't don't the the, the Ramchal like Um He's quoting here from uh, the Heichel Abracha, uh, where you know from Yitzchak Isaac Kamarna. You know, don't look at the Ramchal book on the Choker Makobel. That's one of those debate books like the Irgas, where you have a debate between a Makobel and, uh, shall we say, uh, a, a, a Misnagid. I'll call it that word. Um, you know, is Kabbalah legitimate or not? And these are areas beyond your pay grade and mine. Most of you are listening. You know, these are subtle questions on Kabbalistic doctrines. I could talk about it, but I'm not going to do that in a podcast. You know, uh, it's a darker tov lehetiv and things like that. But um, instead, I want to call attention to what's being sold up here. And, and as I say, the part that's interesting to me, and that's the set of different mimers, essays. One of them is about curricula, which is interesting. It's not at all what you think it's going to say, because it's not litvish in the sense of learning Gemara, Gemara, Gemara. But again, I don't want to talk about that, but rather the Maimar Alagodos. So let me get down to it. There's a there is a, a tradition, a set, a genre of literature called Introduction to Agadita. Um You find them in the beginning of the Inyakov, the usual sets. So if you own a set of Inyakov or something like that, um, I don't know what the art school did. I don't have the art school Inyakovs. I know there's coming out with them now. And perhaps in the first volume of Brochas, Maybe they included some of these things. It would not surprise me if they included Ramchal, because he's very in these days, um, and translated it. Uh, but if you do the regular old-fashioned, shall I call it the Vilna edition of the Inyakov, you'll see that in the beginning, because since the Inyakov is all about the Agatitas, so they have the intro of the uh, the Hakdama of, um, of what he called the son of the Inyakov, Ralbach, and then they'll have... Hakdama from the Marshal, of course, and the Hakdama from the Shvusyanko. I've actually spoken about that before, and a couple of others. The the most interesting, I think, and perhaps controversial, is Avram Ben Arambam and the Ramchal. They're not controversial exactly, um, but they're but they're unusual, and uh, each one is a perfect example of their style. In fact, I would call attention to three A, B, and C. Avon Ben Rambam, the Ramchal, and the Maritz Chayes. And there you get a, what's the right word? Like a rainbow, you know. You get a range of approaches to the subject of Agatha. Now, what's interesting is that the Jewish religion has always had to defend its tradition of Agathas. What I mean by that is in the Tanakh itself, the Bible, the Gaim also believe in that. And so when it says God did miracles or things like that, or when Moses said the ground should swallow up Korach, if you're a Christian, you can't make fun of that story, even a Muslim, because they had those stories and similar stories. And you know, the Christians are Macabre, the Old Testament, 
And the Muslims in the Quran have a whole lot of stories from the Old Testament in there. They incorporated it. So they're not going to tie on that. The only question you have for them is the anthropomorphism. You know, when it says it talks about God in human terms, how are you going to touch that up? Uh, well, all three religions had that problem. But if you're Jewish, there's an extra layer. And that's Chazal. Okay, that's Chazal. Because in Judaism, unlike Christianity and Islam, they developed a Torah Shabbat literature, what we call Chazal. And the Gemara, as you know, and the Midrashim, have a whole genre of Medrash. And I got it to us. And some of the stuff is wild and crazy stuff. Okay? Everybody's motive is wild and crazy stuff. I'll say it again. Everybody's motive is wild and crazy stuff. If you read it literally and superficially. So, the, in the Middle Ages already, and afterwards, the Gaim used to make fun of the Jews about the Agadito. I'll say it again. They didn't, they couldn't make fun of anything in the Chumash or in the Tanakh, but in the Agadito. And that shows you how dumb the rabbis are. Because, you know, Hashem says, call me Miroshi, you know, my arm hurts, and, you know, uh, in Brochus, um, uh, may may my uh, good meters triumph over my bad meters. I mean, if you think these, I mean, there's a million agadites out there in the Gemara and in the Midrashim, and they seem crazy, especially the anthropomorphisms. But not only that, okay. Plus, you have other parts. For example, when you what do you do in the Gemara? For example, I'm just talking off the top of my head when you had recipes or medicine or things like that. Now, how do you understand that? So, the Muslims already heavily in the Middle Ages were attacking the Jews for this. And the Rambam, and Amban Rambam, among others, uh, tried to defend. Uh, the Rambam says he was going to write a book on Agatha. He never just got around to it. However, the basic approach is, it's Moshe Vachita. In other words, anything that seems crazy is to be understood as some kind of an allegory trying to get a wisdom point across. He makes this point in broad outline in his early in his life when he wrote the Hakdama de Perichelet. Okay? Um, that's the Mahal Rambam. It's like famous to us. Uh, just to give you one example, since we happen to be in El two weeks before Rosh Hashanah, just to give one example off the top of my head, because I'm trying to show you the word out of, the way, out of which the Ramchal is coming. And that is... Uh, that you see, why did the Gemara said, why did he blow the shofar extra arbus satan? So it sounds like there's a satan there, and you confuse him, and so on and so forth. And you know, how do you explain that? Especially every year he gets confused again. You know, and the Rambam, you know, I've said this before. If you know how to read the Rambam, you understand that this is the meaning when he says Uri Yishen Mishanaschem in Hilchas Chuba that. The show is a wake-up call, as we know, a moral wake-up call. And what he means by that, as I understand him, is that uh, that's the meaning of Kedel Arvis Asatan. Because the Rambam, of course, does hold of Tekiyas de Meyushu and Tekiyas de, de Mohamed. That's a din. So, and the Gemara says that Tekiyas de, de, you know, de, de Meyushu, whatever, is for the Kedel Arvis Asatan. So there's some, there, it's expression. You see, it's not literal. You're not confusing an angel with horns and a pitchfork. You're waking up to fight against the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah in you is the Satan. And Uri Shem And, you know, get your act together and, and repent. That's how you confuse the Satan. 
and so on and so forth. I could explain it at length, but I think you get the idea. That's just one example. So Avram ben Aramam, and again, I'm sure I talked about this, long ago wrote this essay, of which part it survived in Arabic, called Intro to the Agathos, in which also he tries to explain everything as a marshal vachida, that sort of thing. And it's very nicely written. It's controversial because, uh, and they censored it, and now they claim it's not real, although it is. You know, he said that, uh, you know, the uh, he makes a point about intellectual honesty, which sometimes from people are not, <laughs> not comfortable with. And he said, Rehud Anasi was called Rabbeinu HaKadosh because he was willing to admit when he was wrong, because it says, Nitzu Chachmi Yomazolam is Chachmi Yisrael, in Psachim. And that's why he's called Rabbeinu HaKadosh. There's, I got no problem with that, but many do. After all, for example, in Orthodox Judaism, many people are more comfortable with the with the concept of, of rabbinic infallibility than anything else. I mean, there are certain Hasidic groups, maybe all of them, they say it's not possible to Rebbe to make a mistake. Not possible. Possible for Moshe made a mistake, but not for the Rebbe. You know, different people felt uncomfortable with that. And that was like a little, you know, controversial about the Avon Ben Aram. But I see now that they're always published in a kind of a censored version, leaving that part out. If that is the context in which the Ramchal, Moshe Chalim Tzato, in the 18th century was operating, I would understand that he would write this when he moved to Amsterdam. Because in Italy... He was heavily involved with the Kabbalistic stuff. That got him into trouble because people accused him of uh, of sectarianism, Sabatianism, and all kind of other bad things, which of course was not true. And uh, it made life very uncomfortable for him. And one of the things, uh, you know, they didn't want him to get involved in heavy-duty Kabbalah. And the long and the short of it is he moved to Amsterdam, where he never developed there, as far as I can tell, a chabura, the way he had back in, in Padua, you know, of intense learning guys, like he didn't, he, he wasn't a Rosh Kolo, although he says they treat him very nicely over there, there are letters, he writes back to his Rebbe, they gave him a nice seat in Shul, which by the Sephardim, the Western Sephardim, that's a big deal, the seat you get in Shul, you know, right, they treat him because of Godel, but he worked for a living, lens grinder, whatever he was, and he tutored, and he was looked at as a great scholar, which of course he was. And here's a guy in his 30s, you understand? He's in his 30s. And as an Ish Kadosh and all that. And people asked him questions about basic Judaism, uh, which he responded to. And some of these books, like the Misil Sharm and the Derek Hashem and all that, is precisely an attempt for him to be an R.E.A. Kaplan, if I can use that terminology. You understand? So Ramchal has, has different hats. Sometimes he's like, what shall I say, you know, super Kabbalistic. And then other times he's like Arya Kaplan. He's trying to explain Judaism in a simple and clear way. And he was a gifted writer, of course. Remember, he had an excellent secular education with tutors. That's why he wrote a book on rhetoric. Uh, say from Melitza, he wrote a book on logic. He had an excellent secular education. And that helped him in his writing style, and clearly, one of the things people were bothered by, I'm sure, what did he do all these crazy agatitos, or they seem crazy? They seem crazy. And he writes a small essay, which is in this book that's being sold, which apparently was not published in his time, but he composed it, 
And you can tell it's from him, the style is exactly him. And it seems to have been published like 30, 40 years after his death. Clearly, it seems to me, for these, uh, you know, inquiring minds who want to know intelligent ball about them in Amsterdam, what's the story with all these agatitas? And the style of Ramchal, anyway, like on Ben Rambam, they had a math and science side to them. Therefore, they're very into classification. Uh, to me, obsessive with classification. But that's who this style is. And it kind of fits well for a, a Marmel Hagodos. And if you're interested in this, you, I'm sure you can Google it. It's a, it's a short essay. Um, it's very pithy. It's very cool. It's very interesting. And it's in the beginning of the Inyakov they always included. And uh, you can you can find probably find it with the Kuda somewhere. And everybody should read it. Whether or not you buy this book, which I think is going to, let me see over here. Oh, it's that cheap. It's a few thousand bucks. As, as garnish compared to these other things. It's a few thousand bucks you get the original printing. Uh, you compare this uh, with, with uh, how should I put it, some of these longer essays. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy. Now, the thing is, like everybody else, the Ramchal, who writes about this, he is a part rationalist and part mystic. He's rationalistic in the exposition. He's mystical in the content. That's something heavy I just said. The exposition, he basically says, look, there's, the Agathas are there um, to convey messages. Okay? He has a very interesting theory about the history of how the Agathas can be written. This is part of the persona of the Ramchal, which is not like Avon ben Rambam. He's interested in, in how should I put it, the Kabbalistic version of history, which is its own narrative. Okay? In his writings, he portrays, in Der Hashem, places like that, he portrays, as he understands it, the, the history of the universe. And... I don't mean to be funny about this. If you're interested in this subject, how he sees um, the history of Adam and Eve, and then the first generations down to Noah, and Noah to Avram, and so on and so forth, that's what I mean, a sacred history. If you understand history of history, I would tell you get the Ari Kavan book, Handbook of Jewish Thought, uh, in English, uh, because he like concentrates it in English paragraphs, and doesn't do a bad job. If you're interested in this particular narrative, this particular version of history, that God created the world, that the human race should be the saved one, but then that screwed up, and then eventually ended up with Avram, and you know Avram developed this way, and Yitzhak developed that way, and so on and so forth, and he can fit into ten generations of this, and then ten generations of that, and the Tower of Bubble, and all the rest of it. And, of course, uh, in this kind of Kabbalistic uh, narrative, you know, an important role is going to be played with the um, with the secrets of Kabbalah. Which, listen closely. If you're Makobo, the Kabbalistic stuff goes back to Anamarishan. You get it? Uh, and everybody should have been big Makobo did because they did the sin. It didn't work out. You know, so it, it, it wasn't widely spread. It was only from Yechidah I remember, for example, so, so we're we're basically instead of me using the words kabbalistic, let's use the words prophet, 
Nevi'ah. How you get Nevu'ah? Because Nevu'ah, ultimately, that's a couple, that's what they mean. How, how do I, me as an individual, hook up to talk to God or get God to talk to me or something or something like that, right? It's never 100% clear. And as you know, in his books, especially Derek Hashem and other places, I'm not the biggest Ramchal freak. I have friends that are, but I know a little bit. He's very much into the mechanics of Nevu'ah and the origins of Nevu'ah and this is your Kabbalah stuff. Uh, you understand? I mean, it's important to keep that in mind. I'm talking about prophecy. And um, just off the top of my head, again, you can get it in... Um, and are you Kaplan? When Abraham comes back from defeating uh, the, the the five kings, he's greeted by the four kings. He's de- greeted by Malki Tzedek, who's supposed to be Shame, who's the son of Noah, and he gives him lechem v'yoyin. No, he gives him the Kabbalah, the secrets of prophecy. Get it? That's how it's transmitted. So you're very interested in this kind of culture, in this kind of narrative system, and who transmitted what to whom. Okay, now. To the Ramchal, when you look at the Torah Shavalpeh, the Gemara, we all know that the Torah Shavalpeh was originally a Torah Shavalpeh. It wasn't meant to be a Torah Shavalpeh. But of course, conditions compelled. That they ended up having to write the Gemara. Okay. But Ramchal says like this. In line with his historical way of thinking. This is all in the essay. Uh... I'm just interested in the history part, you know me, so I'm doing that part. Uh, when they put together the Gemara, however they did that, they wanted to save the stuff from being forgotten, all the rest of it. Well, there's a Nigla and Nister part. He doesn't use the word Nigla and Nister, he uses his own terminology, but that's what it boils down to. Right. I forget what he says, Biurim and Limudim and things like that. Okay? Uh, and l- listen closely. The Nigla parts, well, Sov Kippu is the French say. You say whatever you can. Um, as much Nigla as the Chazal, the Tanoim Mamrim, were able to save and commit to paper or commit to some kind of a textual form, they did. Uh, what they weren't able to is Taka lost in oblivion. Uh, what happened to all the different types of Mishnahs besides Rabbi Anasi's Mishnah that Roshiragon talks about? Uh, they're, they're, they're forgotten. You see, they're gone. So, at least we have Rabbi Hananasi's Mishnah and the Gemara that comes out of it. What about the Nister part? What about the Nister part? Okay? That, they, they were faced with a dilemma, he says. The Tanani Memorandum, those people put together the, the textual Talmud, Torah Shavuot What do you do with the Nister part? They didn't want to write a book containing explicitly the Nister part. Because then it would get in the wrong hands, it would be misunderstood. As he puts it, Kovod Elohim Hester Dover, it's not even proper Minashamayim point of view to have these things openly. You know, the Ramchal is, is, is very much a mystic, but a mystic in the sense that there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way of approaching mysticism and uh, has to be done in a graded way. Silsi Sham is a little bit of it like that, as, as some of you may know. And um, I'm, I'm introducing a whole world of thought over here in this small pithy essay. And so the question is, how do you convey this? And the answer he proposes is, they did it through the Agatha. You see? They did it through the Agatha. They're not stories. It's Kabbalah. But it's Kabbalah in a hidden fashion, in the sense, it looks just like a story. It looks like a, uh, uh, a piece of medicine. It looks like 
some wild tail and so forth. Um, no, it's a code word. You have to know how to decode it. It really is telling you Kabbalistic stuff. It's mystical stuff. See, the Agadah is one gigantic code. Although, as he says, some parts are taka and pashup shut, which I'm always glad to see he says that. No, it's not everything there can only be seen as a mystical illusion. Sometimes there are stories there. I'll give you an example. If you hear a Musar Haskell from Chazal, okay, you have a Musar Haskell. You don't necessarily have to say, you know, that it's a, some kind of couple. I mean, you can, but it is a Musar Haskell. But sometimes you'll see a wild and crazy story. Well, they didn't mean that to be taken literally. They meant that those who are the cognoscenti and who know how to decode these things, and frankly, if they get it from a Rebbe who's already a couple or something like that, they'll be able to tell you what the story really means. The rest of you, don't even try. You can read the story at the plain level, but just realize that when you're doing it, you're not going to cop what's really going on. That's fine, right? And he says that they that there was a science to it, meaning in his understanding over here, in this Maimar al he's saying, again, uh, quite something quite uh, historically remarkable, that w- when they got together made the Agadotov, the uh, it was a group of people who did it, who were Chazal. Not all of them, a group did it. And this group had in mind, like they were Ramchal types, a very specific set of rules and and uh, hermeneutics and the reading strategies and writing strategies and with all kind of different approaches and they knew what they meant when they wrote these. And if I could have, let's say for argument's sake, there are 12 approaches. This particular agarita is to be used approach number one. That particular agarita can't be understood when you use approach number one. You have to use approach number four. Another agarita, to properly understand, has to be used by approach number eight, and so forth. He, um, he like I said before, he does it in a wonderful Hebrew, but, um, and, and, here, let me just read a little piece over here. Uh, you'll see his uh, unique historiography, historiosophy, I should say. He says that Kfar Yadaita Shemashahevi Chachamenu Lichtov Divri Torah Shabalpeh, right? Because they saw, because they saw Hashem Fir Torah Secha. Hayimasha Rosha Adeus Holchus and Mischalshus Baruch Agolus. He saw that the IQ is going down in every Asvarim Mischatzeris and Divri Torah Mishtakachas. So, in other words, it was necessary to take to Torah by start writing it down. But they saw that with the Nigla, fine. But with the Nigla, Nister part, uh, no. It's, it won't be a good idea to write that out explicitly. That the Kabbal stuff will also be forgotten. So what are you going to do about that? But the solution for the Nigla is not the same thing as the solution for the Nister. The solution for the Nigla is to write it all out. Benigla. Right? It is Nigla. Notice, let's put it this way. I want everybody to know that there's 39 Mlochas on Shabbos. There's nothing hidden in that. People have to know there's 39 categories to write of work on, on Shabbos. I want people to know that. But when it comes to the Nister part, Right? And so on and so forth. And that's too long to read. 
you'll have to, to, to get it yourself. But the point is that there were different types of, of strategies, and he mentions a few. The way that they hid their words, which means the way that they wrote the Agaratas as a code, which in order to be properly decoded, you have to find the right strategy, whether it's number one, number two, three, four, five, or whatever, or several. And he mentions a few. Um, he mentions three, actually. But they're more than that. Right? To use rhetoric. This rhetorical style. So it's not literal, but you get the point across. In other cases, you're, you're literally you know, obscuring uh, the meaning. So when you read it, you can't know what's going on unless you decode it properly because it's obscure. They'll, what do I mean, obscure? They'll make a general statement about something, a maimer mochlet, but really, that general statement is only to be understood in very limited circumstances. So it seems to be a broad and general statement is really not. Here we're using strategy number, uh, you know, uh, 12, in which something that's said in all times, all places, really understood as applying, I'm just making this up, applying only a Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, or something like that, or for a tzaddik, or whatever. See? So, it's it's hidden in the sense that when you read it, you, you get the opposite of what it actually means. Right? In which you take heavy items and you treat them very lightly. You know, serious items and they're treated lightly. Um... They sound like aphorisms, little statements like that, and really they're heavy stuff. And so the point is that they wrote the Agatha with a with a very definite sheet in mind, often obscurantist, and often um, to mislead, so that only those who are properly trained will um, know how to do it. And and you find he says even in the Gemara sometimes, some of the Chazal sometimes applied the wrong strategy. They did number five when really should be number seven, and they'll be criticized for that in the Gemara. Okay? Uh, as he puts over here, that one of the Chazal will criticize the other. What does that mean he's criticizing the other? According to the rigid classificatory system of the Ramchal, the, the 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 let's say for example two tanaim, so the tana who's criticizing uh, the other the tana a criticizing tana b in the gadita matter, so he says tana a is criticizing b because he used the wrong strategy. Uh, you, you, you're you're interpreting it in, in number eleven and really should be a number six. You see. They knew. They knew the 12 strategies, or the 200 strategies, however many there were. Uh, the Gemara may not say the words that I'm saying. Meaning, the Gemara doesn't actually say, hey, you messed up by using the wrong strategy. But if you know how to read the Gemara, I got it correctly, you'll know that's what's going on. Okay, and Hakolafi Drachim Shem Etzlam Hayim Before Sim Before Samim 
they knew the 12 or 20 or however strategies they were. Mashen Ken Itzlenu. We don't. So therefore, if you ever have a problem, you know, just, just assign it to the fact that you don't know these these Klolan. Uh And he has other things in there as well, as you can imagine. And um, let's put it this way. The essay, therefore, which is short, gives you, I think, I think like a brilliant insight into his uh, meta-history, I guess, or historiosophy, meaning the way Ramchal understands, literally from a Torah point of view, literally from a, 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 a Kabbalistic point of view, uh, important aspects of what was in the mind of the editors and the writers of the Chazal, of the Bavli, the Ushalmi, the Mechilta, the Sifra, Sifri, Medrash, and all the rest of it, what they had in mind when they composed these books. And according to him, they had an exact plan. You understand? They knew. They had an exact plan. As I say before, therefore you need like a grid, which we don't have. And the grid, you know, be like you see, uh, you know, in the, in a movie about spies or something. You know, you, you you put it on a paper, and every tenth word shows up or something like that. They a, a kind of a grid in which every chazal, every agadita, of one form or another, uh, you have to know what the twenty strategies are, or the four thousand, however they were. I don't know. Nobody knows. He says nobody knows. Now I'm sure he figured he knew, but you know, um, we don't. And then I have to look at every Gemara, the Gemara and Brachas, and Shabbos, and elsewhere, and the Medish Rabbah, and so forth and so on, and figure, you know, which ways to be understood. Now, by the way, one of them clearly is Pashab Shat. You know what I'm saying? No, there, there can be a story in the, in, in, in the, in the Medish, in which it tells you this rabbi said that to that rabbi, and this and that and the other, and this happened and that happened, and it could be Pashab Shat. That's one out of 12 or 20 or 2,000 reading strategies. It doesn't take away from the others, but in that one, you can read it. But obviously, when it says over here that Hashem says, my arm hurts because I'm depressed because a person was murdered downstairs, that's not to be read at Pasha. That's the wrong strategy to employ. Um, so this is what you find in the Maimra al uh, you got to admit, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting, different approach. It's not exactly the way Avon ben says it, although they're both trying to defend the um, the agaritos that anything that seems strange is really like a a coded form. Let's put it that way, um, and it, it, it it's just something I always like. So uh, it's not the only. It's there's four um, mimers, the four essays in the in this collection. They're not long. That's another good part. They're not long, um, and uh, is it like a gem? And uh, if this is something that someone wants to have the original edition, you'll take a look in the in, in, in the in the uh, catalog. It is uh, you know, it's the old print, so it's not manuka or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, if you went, if you have this in your house, then you really have like a like a classic of the uh, old old school, uh, which is now as we know very influential in, in the yeshiva world. Anyway, I just wanted to share that uh, insight. Into the Mamrel Agadatov. Uh, it's uh, one of the three biggies. It's the uh, Amben Rambam, it's the Ramchal, and it's the Maris Chayas, all of whom come with their own unique way of looking at it. And uh, as I say again, this is in the Genazim, that's G E N A Z Y M. That's the only, it's a unique spelling, G E N A 
ZYM. If you Google that, you'll see all this kind of stuff online. Uh, and I'm sure it'll go on Sunday. And with that, I wish you all a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.